Welcome to the May 1st Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1-12, through 12, and the sermon is entitled, God Will Even the Score, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Today we're going to open up a new study uh, in a new book of the Bible. Take your Bible, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. If you're joining us for the first time or you haven't been with us for a while, I remind you that... Uh, one of my ways of working through Scripture is to walk through books of the, Bi- of the Bible with expository sermons. Uh, we have looked at and traveled through 1 Thessalonians. I wrapped that study last week, and today we open 2 Thessalonians, a new book of the Bible, but connected, of course, to 1 Thessalonians. This is a continuation of a study of these two letters that the great missionary Paul wrote to a little church in the big city of Thessalonica in Europe. Paul and his mission team had come to this city of about 200,000 people, so it was a large city. In fact, the city still exists today. It's called Thessaloniki, and there are only 300,000 people there now. So it was a large city in Paul's day, but it was complete with temples to idol worship and to immorality and there were thousands upon thousands of lost people in that city who needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and his salvation. So Paul and his mission team come into this city. They had gone from Philippi, run from Philippi under persecution because they were Christians and they traveled a hundred miles and came to Thessalonica. Paul and his mission team move in there. They preach in the synagogue. They preach about the Lord Jesus Christ, and a great variety of people come to Jesus in Thessalonica. Uh, People who are of Jewish background, those who were of Gentile background, prominent men and women of the city coming to Jesus, being saved, and Paul took that group of people from different uh, cultures and different colors of life and different walks of life, and he binds them together as one church. People who at one point in their life could never get along. There was even hatred amongst cultural boundaries, and yet these people from different cultures now had the Holy Spirit of God living in their hearts. They were saved by Jesus Christ, and Paul put them together and said, now work together as a church. Not only work together as a church, but love one another as the church. At one time, these people were strangers to, do, to you. Now they're brothers and sisters, and the church is to work together in love. So Paul would have loved to have stayed in Thessalonica along with his mission team and pastored this church in its infancy, but they were punished and persecuted and run out of the city simply because they were followers of Jesus. The city leaders did not want a Jesus movement taking over in the city of Thessalonica. So the mission team was run out, leaving behind a baby church composed of baby Christians. Christians who came from all walks and all colors and all cultures of life, and now they had to work together and learn to love one another as the church in Thessalonica. And the city was hard. And the city was resistant, and the city was a hateful place toward the Christian church. So they were in a challenging atmosphere as a brand new baby church. Now, as we studied 1 Thessalonians, we see that Paul is blessed by this little church because they had taken a firm stance for Jesus. They had, as Paul said, imitated the faith of the mission team. And their mantra was, we would rather die than deny Jesus as our Savior. 
And so Paul said, your church is growing to be a mighty church of God in a very hard city. And he says he's proud of them because they were standing in courage. That's true of our commitment today. We are in an atmosphere that is growingly becoming more negative toward the Christian church. And you and I are called to stand in courage and stand in strength and stand on the Word of God. No matter what happens in culture, we're to stand firm and strong and true on the Word of God. Amen? We can't float around with culture. We stand on the Word of God. We are the people of God and we belong to Him. So the attitude of 2,000 years ago, as we see here in First and Second Thessalonians, is exactly our attitude today. These words could have been written this morning. They're so modern, applying to us. So here's the truth. The Christian faith has never been, will never be about incomplete, partial, lazy, half-hearted commitment. That is not the Christian faith. That is not serving Jesus Christ. That's not living for Him in a half-hearted way. But rather, it's total surrender. Total surrender to Jesus, or it's no surrender at all, according to the Word of God as we see it here. There's no such thing as a part-time, uninvolved, non-moving, non-ministering child of God. That's a complete uh, negation of terms. You can't be a non-moving, non-ministering child of God. If you're a child of God, then you're in total surrender, and that means my life, Lord, belongs to you. How do you want to use me? How do you want to put my talents to work? How am I supposed to minister? How am I supposed to represent you? Total surrender. It's total or it's none, according to the Word of God. I'm just the messenger, but I'm telling you the truth. Total surrender is what the Bible calls us to be. So in 1 Thessalonians, we see a strong little church in a very hard city. As 2 Thessalonians opened, the church is still very strong. Now, 2 Thessalonians was probably written several months after 1 Thessalonians, and there's one basic change that has taken place in Thessalonica toward the church. The persecution has gotten hotter. The surrounding culture has gotten harder on the church. So they're growing into days that the opposition toward their church has not gotten better, but rather it's gotten harder. So we're going to look at the first 12 verses of 2 Thessalonians. Open your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to do this in increments, so keep your Bible open as we read through these 12 verses. Let's start with verses 1 and 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we see his basic words of introduction here, of course we know this letter is written by Paul the missionary and it's affirmed by two other missionaries on the team, Silvanus who is also known as Silas in your New Testament, a very strong Christian, and then also Timotheus or Timothy, uh, the, the young man that Paul claims is my son in the ministry. So this letter is affirmed by three men, Paul writing it, affirmed by Silvanus and Timothy. Verse 2, Paul gives the opening greeting. This opening greeting is in all 13 of Paul's letters that you have in the New Testament. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ. In every letter... It is grace and peace to you. It's never the other way around. It's never peace and grace. It's always grace and peace. Why is that? There's a reason for that order of wording. You have to first have grace 
before you can have peace. You cannot have peace if you don't have grace. When you're saved by Jesus Christ, through His grace alone, not one of us, including me, standing behind this pulpit, not one of us deserve what Jesus gave us in salvation. He forgave sinners. And yet, through His grace, we have life everlasting. We are sons and daughters of God through His grace. When you have that grace, you will have peace. But you can never have peace until you have that grace. In every letter, he starts it that way. Now look at verses 3 through 5. Paul says, now he's talking from his mission team to the church, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So he's saying love is growing in your church. Verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. So as Paul, again, opens this letter, it's been several months since they've heard from Paul, and as he opens this letter to this church in Thessalonica, he acknowledges that they're baby Christians, but he says, my mission team, afar now, not with you, but my mission team every day, thanks God for you. Thanks God for your ministry. Thanks God for your service. We've witnessed your faith and your courage and your growth in Christ. And we celebrate the fact that even though you're composed of so many different people, Jew and Gentile, men and women, different kinds of people, different colors of people, yet your love is growing toward one another. You see that in that passage. Paul is so thankful that love is growing in this little church between the church members. Uh, I want you to catch a biblical principle about the church. If you take notes, this is a note that you need to write down. Our stand of courage in ministry, our ability to reach out boldly with the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying and hurting world will only happen, will only grow when we love one another here. You cannot send love into the world until it begins here inside the church. That's what Paul is saying. You can't minister in Thessalonica until you love one another, church. That's a biblical principle, and it is so true. We're not a group of disconnected strangers. We are family together. We're to love one another. We're to know one another and take care of one another God never intended for us to come in, not speak to anybody, keep your eyes on the ground, and walk out of a worship service. That's not church. Church is loving one another, knowing one another. The church cannot give out what it does not possess inside. We've got to love one another. Now, as Paul writes this, to this church at Thessalonica, between letter number one and letter number two, the persecution has gotten worse. The heat against the church in Thessalonica has gotten hotter. Verse 4, Paul says, Our mission team glories in the fact that your patience and your faith is getting deeper. Even as the trials are getting hotter, you're growing. Your faith is deepening. Again, I want you to look at the middle of verse 4 and verse 5. He says, For your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of, of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Basically, Paul is saying the church should expect 
to be tried. The church should expect heat to come against it. 2,000 years ago, yes. In this modern day, yes. We are to expect trials to come our way, even persecution to come our way. So courage has to be in the DNA makeup of the church. We have to be a courageous people. We have to be a people who are willing to stand up and stand out on the good news of Jesus Christ and stand on His Word alone. And we will be met with opposition when we do that because our culture wants nothing of that. But we have to be a courageous people standing on the Word of God. And our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, you know, Jeffrey... Pastor Clyde, Pastor Tom, I, we're nothing but little under-shepherds. That's all we are, under-shepherds. But we have a chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd's name is Jesus, the Lord, our God, the perfect Lamb of God. But he was hated by many when he walked the earth. And he gave us a warning. He gave the church that was to come a warning. You can find the warning in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Mark 13, 13, Luke chapter 21, verse 17. Jesus says this, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. He's addressing that to us, church. John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus was the man of God, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who walked the soil of this earth, and no man who ever walked this earth, no woman who has ever walked the soil of this earth has been more loved and more hated at the same time. Jesus said, the world hated me. But church, when we move forward with the gospel, we can expect trials to come our way. We're not called to back down. We're called to move forward. We're called to move into the culture, not away from a lost people because we have the news of salvation in our midst. God is always in control even when we face persecution. God never loses the hand of control and leadership and love upon His church body. We are His sons and daughters. And here's what He promises us, that when we face persecution and when we face trial, that one day, one day that is to come, God is going to even the score against those who hated us. It's not our job to even the score. God is going to do that one day in His timing and in His will. I want you to look with me to verses 6 through 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, go to verse 6. Paul says, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So what I want you to see in those few verses is that Paul says this great missionary telling the struggling little church in the city of Thessalonica, never give up witnessing for Jesus where you are. Even if you face persecution, even if you face imprisonment, even if you face death, never give up in standing up for Jesus Christ in your country, in your environment there. 
because one day in God's timing, He will repay all those who hurt you. He will repay everyone who persecuted you. He will repay that person who takes your life. That's God's promise. That's God's commitment. So church, endure your trials and your suffering because the day is coming when Jesus is going to give us rest. When Jesus is going to even the score. When everything is going to be made right in the will and the plan of God. And then Paul comes back to that theme that we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when he says, keep up your constant hope, church, because Jesus is returning for you. Now, Jesus has still tarried for 2,000 years, but he may come in the next 30 seconds. Amen? And so what Paul is saying is carrying on through to us today. Paul says, always you can keep your eye on the sky because Jesus is coming, but always keep your hand on the plow. Always ministering so that when he comes, he will find his servants at work. You can keep your eye on the sky, but keep your hand on the plow of ministry. Never let up. Now, in verse 7 here, Paul says Jesus is going to descend from heaven with his angels. And in that moment, he's going to give release and peace and rest and joy to his church. But listen to what he says in follow-up here. But he's also going to bring a fire of punishment against all those who hurt the church and all those who persecuted the church and all those who stood to the side and threw rocks at the ministry of the church, beware, God is going to be in control, and God is going to take care of that. Verse 9 to me is a very scary verse for all those who reject Jesus as Savior. Now, let me also say this. When the Bible says that you don't honor God, that you reject God, there are lots of ways to reject God. First of all, you can reject him by outward words of denial, outward words of atheism. You can reject Jesus by hating the church. But you can also totally reject Jesus by simply not being interested, by saying, I'll wait on this Christian faith to another day. I'll wait toward the end of my life when I know I'm getting closer to death. I'm just going to wait. I'm in no hurry for a Savior. When you have that attitude, that is direct rejection of Jesus. So atheism is, is rejection. Hating the church is rejection. But simply saying, I think I'll wait a little longer, that's rejection too. Not coming to Jesus as Lord. And should death sneak in and claim your life quickly and you die in this eternal state of rejection, there is no U-turn back to try again. There is no do-over. There's no return to make another decision. What you're facing will be everlasting punishment in hell. Again, I'm just the messenger. I'm telling you what Scripture says. And I want to be truthful, and I want to adhere exactly to the Word of God and what He tells us in His Scripture that you will forever be separated from God, and forever is a long, long time, friends, simply because you rejected Jesus, either by atheism or hatred or just saying, I think I'll wait another day. Eternity is a long time to be separated from Him in hell. Today is the day. This is the moment to make a decision for Him. If you're online, this is the moment to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Don't wait another day. Don't wait until you think you're going to be better. Don't wait until you think you're going to read the Bible through. Do it today. Come to Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Look at verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not 
God. And then on to verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. You know, I heard an ad for uh, an organization called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Now get the name of that organization, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. The spokesman for this ad that I saw, and I literally, you can dial this up on YouTube if you want. The spokesman for this ad from Freedom From Religion Foundation was Ronald Reagan's son, President Reagan's son, whose name is Ron Reagan. He's an avowed atheist, and he talks about being a part of the freedom from religion. Our country does not need religion. Our country does not need Jesus. Join this foundation. Join this organization that we might pull you farther away from Christ and farther away from the church and farther away from religion. Freedom from religion. And here's the way Ron Reagan closes this ad for this organization. He says, I'm Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. Now, I want to tell you this, friends. That sin shivers down my spine. That's even hard for me to quote to say it. Not afraid of hell. Not afraid of eternity separated from God. He does not know what he's saying. God does not send people to hell. God allows you to choose your own route. God allows you to accept Him, and God allows you to reject Him. To come to Jesus or to reject Jesus, it is indeed your decision. But whatever your decision is, the moment you close your eyes in death, is the decision for eternity. That's what the Bible says, I'm just the messenger. There are no turnarounds, no do-overs. If a change does not come to Ron Reagan, he is going to gnash his teeth in rejection and regret for that statement over and over and over and over again in hell. The truth of the Bible is absolute. People who are saved by grace through Jesus Christ will be eternally satisfied and glorified and joyful in the presence of God in heaven. And those who refuse Jesus will be eternally sorrowful and regretful in hell. Now, I don't see the Bible mince words here. Therefore, I can't mince words. It's what the Bible says. And it is written for us by the very Word of God. But here's the gospel and here's the good news. Today, God can change your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He can change your life. Look at the last two verses, 11 and 12. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. At the close of chapter 1, right here in 2 Thessalonians, Paul is telling this little church, our mission team prays for you every day. We pray for you to stay strong. We pray for you to stay worthy of the calling of Jesus upon your church. Show goodness when you're hated. Let the name of Jesus Christ be glorified in you and through you that you can bring a lost Thessalonica to Jesus. Stay strong, church. Keep moving forward, church. It's good direction for the church 2,000 years ago, and it's good direction for us today. Keep moving forward, church.
bear in mind that when we leave this protected sanctuary, we're going into a lost world with the name and the love of Jesus Christ. And we're to be faithful in delivering that to the world. You know, it's human nature to love those who love you in return, but it's Jesus' nature when we love people who don't love us back. That's Jesus' nature in us. Glorify Jesus in all you do. Graduates today, again, let me reiterate, graduates, wherever you go, whatever your path may lead in, and we heard all kinds of different life's goals here from these graduates that stood behind me today. Wherever you go, whatever you do, serve Jesus there. Represent Jesus there. And that's true for every one of us. For all believers, we're walking for our Savior, and those are our orders to live for Him. Now, before I close, I must say this. I must say this. I have to ask this final question. Does someone here or someone watching us online today need Jesus as Lord and Savior? You're standing on the fault line of heaven and hell right now. That's what the Bible teaches us. Do you need to make a decision to follow Jesus as your Savior for the very first time? Do you need to say, Lord, I need to follow you in faith. I want to be obedient to you in baptism. I want to show the world that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Right now, I'm not asking you to mull it over. I'm not asking you to take a month to think about it. I'm not asking you to procrastinate for a little bit longer till you think you're going to feel better. I'm asking you one question. Will you receive Jesus today? Will you come to Jesus, your Savior, today? Publicly in this sanctuary, you can come and proclaim Him as your Savior right here in front of this family of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're watching online in your living room or your kitchen or wherever you are, you can go to your knees today and accept Him, and He will hear you, and He will receive you, and He will love you if you come to Him as Lord and Savior. But this is definitely not a question to play with. This is not a question to say, I think I'll put it off. According to the Word of God, this is a today question. Have you totally surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you asked to be forgiven of sin? Have you told Him you're sorry, but through the cross of Jesus Christ and His empty grave, there is forgiveness and there is life that you can be His son or daughter. In this moment, this is the open door. This is the invitation for you. Fall before Him today and say, Lord Jesus, I need you, and I ask you to be my Savior. Church home, whatever you need, He meets us here. Believers, we're going to walk out in the world. Will you make a commitment to walk to represent Jesus there? Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you, Lord, for these words that challenged me all week long, Father, that we're to walk in the world, even when we face those who don't love us, even when we face trial, Lord, we're to walk for you. We're to stay strong on your word and stand in you. Lord, bless us, we pray. Bless those graduates today. We're so proud of them. But Father, we pray today that you will give them a special strength to walk in Jesus wherever they go. For that one who needs Christ, Father, right here in the house or online, even in our parking lot, Lord, I pray today is that day that he or she says yes to you as Savior. It's not a question to play with. It's surrender to Jesus as Savior. Bless us, we pray, at this very important moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.